Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific time, 11.00 Mountain time, 8.40 Central time, and 9.40 Eastern time. Thrilled to have you along with us. For those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. Welcome you to the call this morning. Uh, our panel does these calls Monday through Friday for your TR90 efforts. And that program, when you're first starting out, well, first of all, if you ever miss these calls, put them up on an application called SoundCloud. And that is at S-O-U-N-D-S-C-L-O-U-D, putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, or Frank Lomas and Solutions, the Digit 4 Anti-Aging. Um, that will also work at many other podcast wherever you might get your podcast because Frank says he's been seeing them show up on other podcast services as well. If you ever and if you're listening to this and it's a podcast and you wish to catch us live, we would be delighted to have you along with us if you dial in to 712-775-8972. And when it prompts for the conference code, put in 910022 and we would be thrilled to have you along with us. As I say, we do do these calls to help support your TR90 efforts and um, that TR90 program when you're first starting out is your one lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is best, but if you're not able to, take it with your meal. It still works. Um, and I can attest to that because I had to be taking at least the lunchtime one many times with my meal because I never knew 15 to 20 minutes before my meal. As a substitute teacher, we never know when our meals are going to be. Uh, with that, you also need to make sure you're getting seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. And if you're crowding your plate out with um, fruits and vegetables and you have your 30 grams of protein, it's quite easy to do. And that seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables will give you uh, your macronutrients, your micronutrients, and fiber. So the macronutrients are like protein, sugars, fats, carbohydrates. Your micronutrients are your vitamins and minerals. And the fiber will enhance in two ways, one of which is for satiety or that feeling of fullness. And the other way that fiber helps is for good digestive health. Guys need about 45 grams of fiber daily for that good digestive health. And ladies, we need about 32 grams of fiber for the same reason. The next thing on that TR90 program is your 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. So that's a minimum of 150 minutes weekly. You can do it in one 30-minute chunk daily. You can do it in two 15-minute chunks daily. You can do it in three 10-minute chunks daily. Whatever seems to fit your lifestyle, making sure to um, you know that you're getting it in, and that you are staying well hydrated. And for hydration, well, the baseline is one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be starting out at 50 ounces of water daily. And uh, then building up from there. Um, 
especially if you're exercising moderately to heavily because you can lose up to a quart of body moisture in an hour. So that when you're exercising heavily, they do recommend that you stop about every 15 minutes or so and drink eight ounces of fluids to stay hydrated. And your best rule for staying hydrated is water, but other things do count, but realize there's some trade-offs there. And then the last thing that I recommend that they don't always say in the TR90 program is the seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night. That sleep does a multitude of different things um, to help keep you moving forward and in a healthy direction. And today the information I'm sharing with for sleep I'm sharing with you today is out of a book that's called Superfoods Health Style. Simple Changes to Get the Most Out of Life for the Rest of Your Life. It was written by Stephen G. Pratt, MD, and Kathy Matthews. And we're going to do a little bit of diving in why that sleep is important and how it can be helping you. So the data from the Nurses Health Study shows that healthy women who reportedly are getting less than five hours or more than nine hours of sleep were more apt to develop diabetes in the next 10 years than the women who initially averaged seven to eight hours of sleep. A sleep debt of three to four hours a night over a few days can result in, a met in metabolic changes that mimic the pre-diabetic state. And perhaps one of the most interesting recent findings about sleep is the effect that it has on obesity. It's interesting to know that as a person by one to two hours over the second half of the 20th century, the incidence of obesity doubled over roughly the same time period. While sleep deprivation alone doesn't explain the rise in obesity and diabetes, it sure plays a contributing role. One study showed that the less you sleep, the more likely you are to become obese. This study conducted at Columbia University demonstrated a clear link between the risk of being obese and the number of hours of sleep each night after controlling for depression, physical activity, alcohol consumption, ethnicity, level of education, age, and gender. The study subjects were ages 32 to 59, who slept four hours or less per night, were 73% more likely to be obese than those who slept seven to nine hours per night. Those who got only five hours each night had a 50% higher risk than those who got a full night's sleep, and those who got six hours of sleep were still 23% more likely to be substantially overweight. Adolescents with greater sleep Oh, excuse me, I got the hiccups this morning. But the slater, uh, greater sleep disruption or generally poor quality of nighttime sleep also demonstrated lower daytime activity. For each hour of sleep loss, the odds of obesity increased by 80%. So if you're trying to lose weight while suffering from sleep deprivation, it's like walking up the down escalator. You may find yourself trying very hard to and getting nowhere. And one of the reasons that sleep seems to have such a dramatic effect on weight is, it's, is the intimate relationship between sleep and hormones. 
When you sleep and when you experience sleep deprivation, your blood levels of leptin, a hormone that acts as an appetite suppressant, appear to decrease. Leptin is a hormone that is produced by fat cells and it helps to regulate your appetite and metabolism. High levels of leptin, boy, that's a tongue twister, help you to eat less while low levels increase your appetite and cause you to eat more. In a study on sleep and leptin, it was found that the subjects who slept less than five hours a night had a significant decrease in leptin and and additionally, a significant increase in ghrelin, the hormone that triggers hunger. Another factor that when considering the relationship between sleep deprivation and obesity is perhaps more obvious. When we're tired, we're less likely to make good choices about health-related activities. It's difficult to keep up with exercise routines or to cook a healthy dinner if you're just totally exhausted, so getting sufficient sleep not only contributes to your long-term health and your overall performance, it also helps reduce your chances of becoming obese. While we know that adequate sleep is crucial to optimum health, we don't know the precise amount of sleep to recommend for everyone. We do know that as we age over a lifespan, our need for sleep seems to diminish. In the first days of life, our total sleep time is roughly 16 hours, falling to about 14 hours by the end of the first month. At six months of age, we're sleeping about 12 hours, and this amount declines about 30 minutes per year through age five. By adolescence, we are sleeping from nine to 10 hours, and as adults, seven to eight hours. Individual differences in needs for sleep and the abilities to sleep. We know that women have a greater need for sleep than men, and on average, though they retire earlier than men and fall asleep faster, they report more time spent awake during the night and generally poorer sleep quality. While not getting enough sleep is clearly associated with increased health risks, so is getting too much sleep. In the Nurses Health Study of 82,969 women, those who slept five hours or less a night had a 15% greater mortality risk compared with those sleeping seven hours. But those who slept nine hours had a 42% increase in the risk. Other studies have reported similar patterns. I recommend, and that's Dr. Pratt, seven to eight hours of sleep each night. While some people may claim that they do well unless even six hours of sleep a night does not prevent cumulative performance deficits. Another side note is that 50% of drivers report driving while sleepy and nearly 25% report falling asleep at the wheel, though not crashing. Approximately 5% of people who have crashed while being drowsy so if you drive while sleep deprived, you're facing a risk comparable to that of someone who drives with an illegal blood alcohol level. So another thing that is um, a problem with sleep, sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea is, a, is common and is estimated to affect 2 to 4% of middle-aged adults and even 
adult, older adults. Approximately 30% of those who snore regularly may have sleep-disordered breathing. This condition is often, most often diagnosed in overweight men with large neck circumference. Even mild sleep-disordered breathing is related to an increased risk of hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and mortality. Obesity is a worldwide problem in this and is probably a cause of sleep-disordered breathing. Thus, weight loss and prevention of weight gain offer the best hope of reducing the incidence of this disorder. If snoring is an issue for you, an evaluation to rule out sleep-disordered breathing is at a sleep clinic near you is a good step to take. And I would highly recommend that. Um, my husband actually had one done when our youngest was only a couple weeks old because he would stop breathing throughout the night multiple times, made a huge difference in his health. So I highly recommend getting that um, done. Insomnia is a special problem in the dark world of sleep deprivation. It's a condition affecting 9 to 19% of adults in the U.S. and Europe. The incidence of insomnia seems to increase with age and to be more common in women than men. In a 1991 Gallup survey found that insomnia had direct impact on the daily lives of one-third of American adults. Insomnia is generally described as the perception or complaint of inadequate or poor quality of sleep due to difficulty falling asleep, waking up frequently during the night with difficulty going back to sleep, waking up early in the morning, or finally and generally unrefreshing sleep. Insomnia takes a toll similar, similar to that of sleep debt. Sufferers feel tired, lack of energy, and have trouble concentrating and are irritable. Insomnia, among 37 other variables, is the most predictive factor for absenteeism at work. As with sleep debt, the long-term toll that insomnia takes on health can be serious. Chronic insomnia is associated with increased risk for alcohol and drug abuse, anxiety and neuroses, personality disorders, as well as dependence on sedatives, depression, diminished quality of life, and in the case of older adults with cognitive disorders. Placement in long and placement into long-term care facilities. If you suffer from chronic or even occasional insomnia, read how, we'll be getting into how to get a good night's sleep, which is coming up. Um, I am guessing maybe after I talk about parents and kids and kids getting a good night's sleep tomorrow. And follow the recommendations there. In addition, consult your doctor to be sure that the medic, that medical chronic pain congestive heart failure, chronic lung disorders, endocrine disorders, or prescription or over-the-counter medications are not contributing to your difficulty in sleeping. And only one in 20 patients see a physician specifically about chronic insomnia, even though chronic sleep disturbance is associated with substantial health consequences, including hypertension, chronic lung disease, arthritis, chronic pain or headaches, and diabetes. Untreated insomnia is a major risk factor for the development of 
psychiatric disorders, especially major depression, but also anxiety and substance abuse disorders. Many people think that insomnia is a function of aging. While it's true that some need less sleep as they age, it's also true that insomnia in the aged is often a function of increased rates of illness, medication usage, and other disorders. And isolation often seen in older folks. And like I said, tomorrow we'll, we'll be getting into um, parents and what they can do and older folks and what we can do to help with some of our sleep issues. With that, this is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon, signing out on September 14th, 2023. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build a new skin business and whatever might be happening within the new skin world. Thrilled to have you along with us, and I welcome you to come back and join us, and I welcome any thoughts or comments as soon as I get us off of mute so that you can share those with us. And if you're too shy to do that, you can always text me that you're part of the TR90 group at 503-502-4863, and I would be delighted to share whatever information I can with you. So there we have it, my friends. The lack of sleep is so critical as a factor for helping us get healthy, and tomorrow we'll be diving into some of the things we can do that might be able to offset it. And if there's no other thoughts or questions, I'm going to actually end the recording and let